You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. How horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? <laughs> Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is the Andrew Clavin Show. Those were the days. Those were the days in Hollywood, weren't they? <laughs> that was the way it ought to be. You know, in those days, you had a guy, Gregory Peck, the big liberal in Hollywood, made all these liberal films, and one of his best friends was Charlton Heston, the big conservative, who made all these conservative films, made all these conservative comments, big NRA supporter. And I remember Gregory Peck said, I don't know why Chuck thinks what he thinks, and I'm sure he doesn't know why I think what I think, but we're friends, and, you know, that's... That's totally gone. Take my word yeah. for it. That is completely gone from the Hollywood scene. So I wrote this blog at PJ Media. I wrote on my blog at PJ Media some of the things I've been saying here about Trump. Nothing new that any, anybody who's listening knows what I, how I feel about Trump. And my problem with Trump, as I repeatedly say, is not what he says, because sometimes he speaks the truth and sometimes he speaks utter nonsense, like now when he's questioning Ted Cruz's you know, eligibility to run, which is just complete tripe. But... Sometimes he says things that we all agree with. I don't care what he says because of what he is. Here's a quick tape that I spliced together from somebody else's spliced together tape, just showing you what I object to about Trump. Are you worried at all that somebody who has given money to Hillary, she was at your wedding? No, that, I give money to everybody. But that Republican voters in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina might no. be concerned about that? No, in fact, a lot of people like it. You know, we have gridlock in Washington. For instance, I've helped Nancy Pelosi, I've helped Reed, I've, I'm a business. Right, you gave money hey, to, to Reed and Jake, Pelosi to help recapture ca Congress in Jake, 2006. I'm a, I'm a business. You know, I was in business, I, I built a great company. They always treated me nicely. We need that in Washington. We have total gridlock. So you will argue to voters, yes, I gave money to Reed and Pelosi to help recapture Congress, but this is what we need, more bipartisan I'm spirit. a conservative Republican. I'm a very conservative person, actually. But, but I get along with everybody. I'm very pro-choice. I am pro-choice in every respect and as far as it goes. As far as single payer, it works in Canada. It works incredibly well in Scotland. Well, you'd be shocked if I said that in many cases I probably identify more as a Democrat. Well, then why are you a Republican? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. And, you know, the thing is, the thing is, people say, Oh, well, he's a businessman, so he gives to everybody. That's just his way. You know, he sells out his principles to help his business. What makes you think he won't sell out your principles to help his business? I mean, that's, that's the thing. He does what helps Donald Trump. Okay, so I wrote a piece basically saying the same things I've been saying, that I think the guy's a demagogue. I think he'll say anything that if it taps into the rage, people's rage and people's angst about their jobs and their economic future, some of which is true, some of which is false, doesn't matter. He's just trying to tap into it. That's what a demagogue does. He says things that you want to hear. Here are some of the comments I got on the blog. And let me say, first of all, that people who comment on blogs run the gamut. You know, the worst people on earth will come and comment on your blog. Very sensible people come on. I'm not saying that these are typical Trump supporters. I'm saying they express something that I have seen in other Trump supporters. 
Okay, so here's one that says, wake up, Andrew, get over your Jewish narcissism and expand your horizons into more diverse information sources. Get a genome test to find out how much Jewish Marxist DNA you are carrying and whether it is recessive or active. <laughs> and that, that makes me feel a lot better about a potential Trump presidency, let me tell you. All right, so there's a anti-Semite guy's just full of rage about everything. It's followed up by this, by somebody responding to him. <laughs> this other guy says, exactly my thoughts. While I had disappointed that it has come to this, this being Trump in the lead, I'm not surprised. Crap on the people long enough and they become angry, and anger clouds judgment. I've made a few angry decisions in my life and have regretted them all. But the establishment, Democrats, Republicans, media, et al., have been putting their thumbs in our one eye, then the other, then up our ass while putting their hands in our wallets. Now we're pissed, and we're going to elect Trump in a petulant collective rage. It's the only way we regain control of both parties. This guy says he's made decisions out of rage in the past. They've all been bad, and he's now he's going to do it again. And this time, it's going to work. This is going to be the, this is the big one. This is the one we've been waiting for. All the other ones didn't work, but this is the one. All right, one more. If the press would actually tell the truth, even you would realize Trump is a runaway train, and he can't and won't be stopped. This time, we, the real people, for good or bad, will have our way. We hunger for the smell of scorched earth. It is many, many people's hope that Trump can bring about the collapse of not only E. Washington, the Washington establishment, but the press and even many of the Hollywood and PC left who we've come to despise. I could go on and on. I'll end with scorched earth, burn it all down. I and many others like the smell of that, okay? So you're listening, I mean, you are listening to a lot of rage. I mean, that is real anger. And it's, what's amazing about it is it's not people saying we're going to do the right thing. It's not people saying... You know, it's it's people saying this is going to work somehow, even though our rage has never worked in the past. I've said this a million times, I know, but anger is the devil's cocaine. And, you know, people say that there's such a thing as righteous anger. Anger can be righteous, but it can't be righteousness. And that's the problem with it. It feels like righteousness. When you're angry, it feels like you're righteous. And that's what's so addictive about it, so incredibly addictive. So Dan Henninger, I think he pronounces it with a hard G, Dan Henninger at the Wall Street Journal, who is kind of you know, you want to find a, an establishment Republican, I would say Henninger is the guy. But he writes a good column this morning about how Trump and Carson are reactions to politically correct culture, this political correctness that has been shoved down our throat repeatedly. He says, the left has never modulated its PC offensive. The 2006 Duke University lacrosse scandal, a travesty of PC trampling on individuals when these white guys were accused of raping a black girl and it was all nonsense. This should have been a red flag, but instead, he says, the Obama Education Department imposed what are essentially kangaroo courts on American campuses to enforce Title IX sexual abuse cases. Policies like that don't emerge from the marketplace of ideas, much less political debate. They come from a kind of Americanized Maoism. That, by the way, is exactly the right idea. I mean, Mao is very big on forcing people to lie and everybody lied in Maoist China, and things fell apart while they were telling lies because nobody saw the truth. All right, he says, Henninger goes on to say, the left goes nuts 
When anyone suggests political correctness has totalitarian roots, but the PC game has always been we, you, we win, you lose, get over it, comply. But people don't get over it, and they never forget. For a lot of voters now, possibly a majority, their experiences with enforceable, politically correct behavior, speech, and thought have bred a broad mistrust of, of elites. Average people think individuals in positions of leadership are supposed to at least recognize the existence of their interests and beliefs. The institutions that didn't do that or were complicit include the courts, Congress, senior bureaucrats, corporate managers, the press, television, movies, university administrators. Somehow the standard model of com political comportment represented by most of the GOP's presidential candidates just isn't up to dealing with a degree of voter alienation that isn't particularly rational at this point. So voters turn to outsiders, people more like them. He says the election's two big issues remain, a weak economy and global chaos, but for many voters, the revolt against political correctness is on, okay? Absolutely true, no question about it. The one thing Henninger leaves out of this, the one thing that he leaves out of this is that he's part of it. And this is something the Wall Street Journal cannot see. I love the Wall Street Journal. They do great reporting. They have a great op-ed page. But they are part of the problem. They treat Ted Cruz just like Trump. They talk about Ted Cruz as if he were just part of the problem. They treat this genius constitutional scholar, one of the smartest men who has ever run for president, as if he were the same as Donald Trump, as if he were just saying anything. They can't, you know, any time he takes... Cruz makes a political gesture. They treat it as if it were the same kind of cynical move that Trump makes. But Cruz has acted on principle repeatedly. And for those people who think that Cruz is somehow too politically correct, who he, he's not listening to the problems of the working class, these are the things that people attack Cruz. He put out a great ad the other day. And this is, I have to just give credit, because this is to my from my friends at Madison McQueen. Uh, Owen Brennan and Justin Folk were both involved in my Clavin on the Culture videos. Justin did the fantastic background, and Owen was the producer and kept the management off my back, which was no small job, <laughs> because I kept getting in trouble, and he kept like burning their emails and sending them away. So Owen and Justin did a lot of, of to put Clavin in the culture, and they've teamed up uh, with their friend, and now my friend, Robert Perkins, and they've started this place, Madison McQueen, and they're doing some of Cruz's ads. They did this one taken from the debate in which Cruz talked about immigration, and this is the thing. The Wall Street Journal talks about this immigration thing that has people furious, and they're kind of like, oh, this is no big deal. You know, Brett Stevens has a Mexican wife. Everything's fine. There's this lovely man who's mowing my, my lawn in Bedford, you know? I mean, why? He's a Mexican. What's, what's the problem? I don't understand the problem. And Ted Cruz hits it right on the button. Listen to this ad. understand that when the mainstream media covers immigration, it doesn't often see it as an economic issue. But I can tell you, it is a very personal economic issue. And I will say the politics of it would be very, very different if a bunch of lawyers or bankers were crossing the Rio Grande. Or if a bunch of people with journalism degrees were coming over and driving down the wages in the press. Then we would see stories about the economic calamity that is befalling our nation. If I'm elected president, we will triple the border patrol. We will build a wall that works. We will secure the border. Great. I'm Ted Cruz and I approve this message. Great ad, terrific ad. And uh, by the way, if you can't see it, please subscribe. Then you get to watch. 
Every day I come in here and the lovely Lindsay paints on this beautiful face you see before you, and you're missing it because after this camera is turned off, I take it off. I don't even want to talk to you about what I actually look like. So there's a, there's a lot to see. We have a great, you know, we do great camera work, good good uh, visuals. Subscribe, We need and we need the dough. So help, help us out. All right, so... People are, are furious, but they're turning to Trump because Trump will say anything. He insults, he's lousy, you know, he gets down in the mud, he rips at people personally in a way that no president is, should do, that will be an absolute disaster. But we're tired of watching Putin kick our president around like a soccer ball, and we're tired of watching the Islamists beat us up while, you know, uh, Obama goes off and plays golf, and so that kind of, he's channeling that anger. But where people really feel this is in the culture. I mean, Obama is front and center, I think, but this constant barrage of we know better than you culture coming out of the coasts. And folks, I am a coastal elite. I've spent most of my life in coastal cities, in the media. I love opera. I drink white wine and brie cheese. The only difference, the only difference between me and these elites is I don't think I know your business better than you do. I understand, you know, if you want to talk to somebody about literature, talk to me. You want to talk to somebody about ranching, talk to the guys in Nevada and Colorado and Oregon who are, who are doing the ranching. And that's what these guys don't understand. There's a difference between being in the elite and being a Elitist. And Hollywood, where I've done some work, is, is elitist. It's just closed off from the people. And it's this constant flood of PC diktat that comes out of the entertainment industry. You know, there's this article in the New York Times, a former newspaper this morning, and it's about as we move into Oscar season, that all these movies that are based on truth, that say based on a true story, get attacked for not being true. So for instance, that straight out of Compton is being sued by the manager who was played by Paul Giamatti. He says it was an unfair representation of him. Uh, the Dan Rather, CBS says Dan Rather whitewashed, uh, was whitewashed in truth, which I'm sure he was. I didn't see it, but I'm sure he was. The Times reviewer, their big reviewer, A.O. Scott, responds, says it's ridiculous. Movies that are not documentaries, says A.O. Scott, are works of fiction, whether or not they deal with real events. The only people dumb enough not to understand this are certified intellectuals, journalists and college professors mostly, who need fodder for columns or something apparently important, but actually trivial to wring their hands about. So there's the New York Times attacking the people who read the New York Times. Their only audience is college professors and other journalists at this point. So he's attacking the New York Times. But that's not the problem because it's what non-intellectuals are complaining about. It's the narrative, the untruth, the untrue narrative that is impenetrable to the facts that high-profile Hollywood people keep spinning out. It's not just that they make truth. It's that they never tell the truth. It's that they never make the other side of the story ever, unless it's Clint Eastwood, who's now 100 years old, you know, and is, is you know, doing it because he's got, he's unassailable. He's unassailable because of the greatness of his career. But how many people are like that? How many people are willing to take that chance? Spike Lee has a movie coming out. Just let me show you a couple examples. Spike Lee has a new movie coming out called Chirac. And Spike Lee is a talented guy. There's no question about it. I find his movies very preachy, and I just wish he would stop talking and dramatize. You know, I don't mind that he has his opinions, but stop talking and turn it into a, a movie. This is about the violence in Chicago. So the idea is that Chicago is as violent as Iraq, so it's Chirac. That's the idea. But it's based on Aristophanes' Lysistrata, a play from 400-something B.C., which is a play about 
a, a woman named Lysistrata who gets the women of Athens to stage a sex strike to convince the men to stop the Peloponnesian War. I've, I've seen this thing performed. It's still hilarious, okay? This is like 2,000 years after it's written. I mean, more than 2,000 years after it's written, 25, almost 2,500 years after it's written, and it's still a really, really funny place. So it's a good idea. Here's a trailer, just part of a trailer for Shira. This is an emergency. Homicides in Chicago, Illinois, have surpassed the death toll of American special forces in Iraq. Hey, it's all Welcome to Chirac. Chirac, where we at, my Land of pain, misery, and strife. Everybody here got a man banging and slanging, fighting for the flag, risking that long zip with a cadaver bag. All to the bang, 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 bang. It all started with a gorgeous Nubian sister. What's up, Spinner? They call her Alyssa Strauss, a woman like no other. You just try taking away their guns. Okay, okay, the dirty poppers. Cause my gun go boom, I'll make sure a Trojan end up in the next All right. Well, what else do they love? Repeat after me. I will deny all rights of access or entrance. I will deny all rights of access or entrance. Okay, so it's it's Lysistrata. There's a good they're gonna stage a sex strike to pacify Chicago. Looks great. I mean, it looks really good. It looks like it's written in rhyme. Samuel Jackson plays the chorus. It looks really like it, it could be incredibly entertaining. Terrific. All right. So now he comes out, he's promoting the movie. And Obama has his executive action trying to destroy the Second Amendment, at least attacking the Second Amendment. And Spike Lee gives a an interview to CNN's The Wrap, their entertainment blog site, their entertainment website. And he says, the film just came out at the perfect time. Today, he's, this is Spike Lee speaking. Today, President Obama talked about how people are being killed every day in Chicago. 90 Americans die every day due to gun violence. This is no joke. When asked his thoughts on members of Congress, particularly conservatives, though the evil doers, the evil conservatives, who have spoken out against the president's efforts to expand background checks for gun buyers, Lee offered a frank assessment. This is CNN talking, of course. It's a frank assessment. Those politicians, says Spike Lee, the conservatives, they're in cahoots with the NRA and the gun manufacturers. They're making money. It's blood money. I'm going to say it. It's blood money, okay? First of all, let's just talk for a minute. I talked about this yesterday, but just to repeat it, this thing, gun violence, is a fraud. Six out of ten, I think it is. I'm pretty sure it's six out of ten killings with a gun are suicide. So this guy's blowing their heads off. Taking their guns away ain't going to make a bit of difference, believe me. If a guy wants to kill himself, I've worked with people who want to kill themselves. If they want to do it, you can't stop them, okay? So that, so, so that whole number that he's throwing around, 90 gun deaths a day, 6 out of 10 gun deaths are suicides. All right. But he goes on, he gives an interview to CNN, and he let, listen to what he says. And I know I've been criticized for this, but I don't care. I'm all for Black Lives Matter. I can't breathe, don't shoot. And I'm not speaking on behalf of 45 African Americans. This is my own belief, Anderson. I'm with that. But we as a people can't be blind. We can do all that, all that is fine. Eric Gardner, we go down the line. Those were, that was wrong. But we cannot be out there going, bah, 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 yeah, 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 there. And then when it comes to Young brothers kill himself, then mum's the word. No one's saying nothing. 
can't you? It's got to be. Both it's got. It's got to be both ends. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm not going to accuse Lee of criticism. I know this from my own experience. You know, you make a small movie, even if you're Spike Lee and you've had some successes. You make a small movie. You write a, a book. It's very hard to get coverage if you talk about the fiction. If he goes on and talks about Les Estrada, a play written, you know, 411 B.C., they're not. That's not going to get on the air, and nobody's going to pay attention. So, talking about real life. You know, news stories is a way to get on the news cycle. You get on the news cycle, starting controversy. So he's starting controversy because because it's controversial on CNN to blame the people who are shooting each other in Chicago for shooting each other in Chicago, for saying that the people who are shooting each other shouldn't be shooting each other. That's controversial. So that's what he's saying he's going to be criticized about. But he prefaces it with a complete string of narrative that is, again, just impervious to the fact, you know, Chicago has the strictest gun laws in the country that you can't get any more strict without completely burning up the Second Amendment, and that's where the violence is taking place. You think those gangs are registering to buy guns? You think that they're, you know, going to the gun dealer and saying, yes, I'll wait my, you know, three days before I get, you know, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening in the streets of Chicago. These are these are illegal thugs who are going to have guns no matter what law you pass because they're gangsters. That's what gangsters do. Okay, he talks about hands up, don't shoot. He throws that out because it's just it's just part of the narrative. He knows it's to be he knows it to be true. We know that didn't happen. We know there was no hands up, don't shoot. It's been dis Eric Garner guy. That's the cigarette guy. The guy who was arrested in New York and died in the ambulance. You know, no, there were no indictments on that. There were no indictments because. The medical examiner looked at the guy and said this was not how he was killed. It wasn't the cops killing him. He was an obese guy. He resisted arrest. He got in a fight with, tangled with the cops. The, you know, and he, and he died, uh, you know, he died pro probably of that, that spurred his death, but he wasn't murder. He, you know, but he just throws these things out. It's completely impervious to the fact. Quentin Tarantino, same thing, okay? He opened a movie at Christmas, The Hateful Eight, and before he did this, he went out and called police murderers. He got up and gave a big speech. I'm going to call it murder. That's what it was. People said, well, you better take this back or the police are going to boycott your film. So he didn't take it back. Here he is, uh, here he is doubling down. I was referring to Eric Gardner. I was referring to Sam DeBose. I was referring uh, to Antonio Guzman Lopez. I was referring to Tamir Rice. That's what I was referring to. In those cases in particular that we're talking about, I actually do believe that they were murders. I was under the impression I was an American and that I had First Amendment rights and there was no problem with me going to uh, an anti-police brutality uh, protest and, uh, and speaking my mind. And uh, just because I was at an anti-police uh, br uh, brutality protest doesn't mean I'm anti-police. The victimhood, it breaks your heart. I mean, you know, he's at, he's, he exercises his First Amendment rights. Is he in prison? Dinesh D'Souza went to prison for criticizing Barack Obama Quentin Tarantino is on TV talking about his ideas. You know, what he doesn't like is that his movie, the police wanted to boycott his movie. Now, at, Joe Concha at Mediate says it worked. The movie did not do well. It opened around Christmas. He says, Joe Concha writes, in case you haven't heard, despite an aggressive ad campaign, no new competition on the weekend of release, and the famed director getting plenty of free press for weeks after controversial comments made against police officers at an insensitive Black Lives Matter rally in October, The Hateful Eight debuted last weekend as the lowest grossing Tarantino film in nearly 20 years. 
16 million and a third place finish for an opening weekend is still decent, but the film still fell short of analysts' expectations by 20%. And when compared to other Tarantino films lately, the numbers look even worse. Now, I don't know, and Joe Contra doesn't know whether the boycott actually had an effect. It possibly, it might have, you know, and that's that's part of the price of speaking your mind. By the way, I'm not saying that people in Hollywood shouldn't speak their minds. I speak my mind. It's cost me dearly. You know, before I opened my mouth, my, my books, when my novels came out, they used to get reviewed in 200 outlets just about every time. After I wrote Empire of Lies, came out as a flagrant conservative, a loudmouth conservative, Empire of Lies got one review in which I was called a, a wingnut of some sort. And, and that was it, you know, I mean, it got absolutely no attention. I'm not complaining, I do it because I want to do it. Tarantino does it because he wants to do it, but he can't complain. And if nobody's violating the First Amendment by not going to his movie, that's actually, guess, guess what, Quentin, that's part of the First Amendment. What I'm complaining about is not that he speaks his mind, I appreciate his right to speak his mind. What, I, what I'm complaining about is the words that are coming out of his mouth that aren't true. He mentioned all those cases of black people who were killed by police. Sam DeBose is the only name there where anything was found to be wrong with the killing, and the cop was indicted for murder. What are we supposed to do? Just hang him? You know, I mean, he was indicted for murder. That's justice. So, I, you know, I, I just don't know what he's talking about. It's this constant uh, spewing of the narrative, and these guys are in a position of power. They have so much power to speak to us. Sean Penn, big supporter of Hugo Chavez, Venezuela, he said, socialism sounds great to me. That's what Sean Penn said, sounds great. Sean Penn, one of the greatest actors of his generation. When he was great, he was absolutely terrific. Venezuela is now suffering the worst economic collapse in its history because of Hugo Chavez. Has Sean Penn gotten up anywhere and said, oops, oops, sorry, sorry, maybe I should have just stayed acting, you know, because I really didn't know what I was talking about. They're really suffering in Venezuela because of Hugo Chavez. Where's Sean Penn? Where is Sean Penn to speak up to you? So you wonder why people are angry. Jennifer Lawrence gave an interview to Glamour magazine. She's talking about the Colorado Springs Planned Parenthood shooting. Crazy guy. That, guy. that guy's eyes were the size of saucers. Complete mental case. Goes off and shoots people at Planned Parenthood. He hated abortion, but he also hated the voices in his head. Complete nutcase. All right, so she says, Jennifer Lawrence, one of our most successful actresses, great actress, says it's so awful, it isn't an attack on abortions, it's an attack on women. I mean, this guy wouldn't know a woman if, it, if she floated down from outer space, you know. I mean, this guy has seen women floating around in the air. All right, but because Planned Parenthood, she says, is so much more than abortion. My mom was really religious with me when I was young. She's not so much anymore, but I wouldn't have been able to get birth control if it weren't for Plan P. I wouldn't have been able to get condoms and birth control and all these things I needed as a normal teenager who was growing up in a Jesus house. So did you go to Planned Parenthood for those things, asked Glamour. Yes, I did. And now I am a successful woman who has not had a pregnancy. And Glamour responds, congratulations. Because one of the things that conservatives should be doing, by the way, is buying women's magazines because they are all left-wing. All of them. They're all selling left-wing stuff between the beauty ads and the cosmetics. Okay. Nobody says Jennifer Lawrence can't sneak her, her birth control past Jesus. I, you know, like, knock yourself out, Jen. You know, who cares? Nobody's talking about these things, and nobody's condoning this crazy man opening fire on people. We're talking about abortion, but it's this constant stream. She knows, she knows that baby in your stomach is just something to be removed with forceps. She knows that, and she just sells it. Never, ever, ever listens to 
the, the people who she's supposed to be entertaining. Here's the thing. I, I really don't want these people to shut up. I really don't. You know, I, I think, go ahead. Like I said, I, I talk. I can't sit around and say they talk, I shouldn't talk. The problem is us. The problem is the conservatives. We aren't paying attention to these guys have such a megaphone, and it's this barrage of information, and we can't respond. We have no reviewers. We have no review venues. Manola Dargis in the New York Times is one of their reviewers in the New York Times. She counts the number of black people in every movie, and she gives the movie a review according to how many black people in it. That's a slight exaggeration, but not much. Where's a reviewer who will speak up for right-wing constitutional ideals in a venue that people can read? You know, where's the stuff that we write that makes them as angry as what we write? Where are our historical films? Where's our movie studio? Where's our television station? Why aren't we paying attention to those things? Where's the think tank that gives awards to writers and actors who, who just portray the truth? Not, forget about conservative values, just the truth, instead of this constant, constant narrative. We don't do it, and as long as we don't do it, if there's no voice opposing this piece, all you got is rage. All you got is Donald Trump. That's all you got. And they, their rage is justified, and they'll burn the, they will do what they say. They will burn the country down to express that rage. And if we don't speak up, and if people like the Wall Street Journal don't speak up, for the people who do speak up, okay? So that's, that's all I'm saying is if we, don't have, if we don't respond in the culture to the culture, all the people have is rage. We've left them alone. We've abandoned them. All right. Speaking of which, speaking of which, this week, my new novel for young adults came out, the conclusion of my Mind War science fiction adventure trilogy for young adults. The, the trilogy is called Mind War. The final book is called Game Over. It's about a football player who, after an injury, becomes an expert video gamer and is essentially injected into a real-life video game that is being run by a terrorist, and he has to defeat the terrorist both within the video game and outside of the video, video game. It's really exciting stuff, and I think you'll like it. So go on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, order a copy of Game Over and the rest of the trilogy, which you can also get. Stuff I like. This is it. The week is over. This was really a quick week, I thought. You know, it really went by fast. First week of the new year. I've been talking about musicals all week because I wanted to start on an upbeat note. And I wanted to end with a forgotten song from a movie musical that I just happen to love. I think it's a really terrific song, and it expresses conservative values. It expresses the ultimate conservative value, right? There's this film that was made in 1950 called Summer Stock. It's with Gene Kelly and Judy Garland. And it's a famous film for one number. The final number is Judy Garland singing Get Happy. And you've all seen her in the kind of Peter Pan hat and the tights with the sleek black uh, outfit she's wearing, and she sings Hallelujah, Come On, Get Happy. Very famous classic scene. The movie itself is kind of pitiful because she's falling apart. Judy Garland is falling apart, and she's fat through the whole movie. She's really fat, and so they dress her up in these dumpy farm overalls. It's about a, a troop of actors who come and put on a show in a farm, and so they're staying on this farm, and she's the farm girl. She's the farmer's daughter, and she's wearing this uh, these dumpy overalls through the whole thing. The movie finished shooting. She went up to Santa Barbara, got hypnotized, lost 20 pounds, came back, and did that famous, two months after the movie was in the can, did that famous Get Happy number and it became a classic. The number I like, though, that is just completely forgotten, and I want to, it's Harry Warren, and, Harry Warren and Matt Gordon, not two songwriters that I know much about, but in the middle of this, there is a piece by Gene Kelly where he starts talking to this troupe of actors who are very sophisticated about the basic American value of work, and it's called Dig, 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 all right? And he says, if you want to 
this, if you want this to be a good day, he sings, you got to do a good day's work. So anyway, have a good day. Have a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Here's Gene Kelly singing Dig, Dig, Dig from Summerstock. You gotta dig, 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 dig for your dinner, nothing's what you get for free. You gotta dig, 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 dig for your dinner, never was a money tree. And furthermore, my friends, I must repeat, nobody's living down on easy street. And if you wanna owe for groceries, you're gonna get an awful lot of groceries. You gotta dig, 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 dig for a dollar, tain't as simple as you think. You can't purloin a sirloin or the butcher or put you in the clink. You just can't be a lazy bird. You gotta get off of your twig. So you can afford your room and your board and it's nice to have the price of a cig. Hey, you gotta pay the fiddler man if you wanna do a jig. You gotta be as busy as a bee to be a Mr. B.I.G. And if you want some dig, dig, dignity, you gotta dig, 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 dig for your dinner. Dig, 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 dig. Here I'm talking to you, dig, brother, dig. That's the spirit. <laughs>